tantamount with your blah blah blah. Zip your lip like a padlock. And meet me in the back with the jack of the jukebox. Yeah, where you live at? Just turn around, boy. Let me hit that. Don't be a little bitch with your chit chat. Just show me your dick. Hello there. My name is Tom Chick, and you are listening to the Quarter to Three Games Pod Games Podcast. Yeah, for yeah. Uh, well, for 2012, just the entire freaking year. And what better day to do this than December 12th, 2012? So I am Tom Chick, and my game of the year is not Chainsaw Lollipop Chainsaw. Ah, oh, wow. I'm uh, Jason McMaster, and my game of the year is not Just Dance 4, which is apparently Tom's game of the year, according to the intro music. That is... is that, <laughs> I have no idea. Is that song on, Just Dance 4? Uh, I don't know. Well, if it is, I will go in there right now and break the shrink wrap <laughs> on the copy that I was fortunate enough to get from uh, Nintendo with the launch of the Wii U, and I will play that game like you wouldn't believe. McMaster, how many Kesha songs are on Just Dance 4, would you say? I, I don't know. I'm not fortunate enough to get a Wii U. <laughs> they don't like me at Nintendo. <laughs> I guess they love you, though. <laughs> you're, you're a very positive review of the Wii U's launch. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That uh, won an award from me this year. So, so what we're going to do, McMaster, uh, I find this a little exhausting because... It's kind of exhausting to wrap your head around 12 months of gaming. Um, so I've been doing some year-end lists. Uh, I did most uh, disappointed, overrated. Uh, I just did a bunch of random lists. And then by the time this podcast posts, the uh, my favorites of the year will be impending. So I've spent the last few days basically just thinking about 2012. Uh, I think folks have heard a lot from me, and they're, they get enough of that. McMaster, I am curious to hear about your reaction to 2012, so I just want to pick your brain for this podcast. Is uh, that okay? Sure. Go right ahead. I'm sorry in advance. <laughs> well, uh, I, I'll try to, to sort of give you the feeling of like a year-end list. I will occasionally right. um, call you a retard or maybe okay. a, a fag. Or, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm I, right. I'll threaten to get you delisted from aggregates. Um mm. And maybe I'll just say, you know, you're you're a worthless, horrible writer. Like, I'll just chime in with that stuff every now and then, uh, and it'll give it an authentic ring. Yeah, I'll, I'll feel better about it, there's no doubt. I'll be more used to that than not. <laughs> well, let's uh, – so what we'll also do at the end of the podcast is we'll each count down our top fives for the year. Uh, but we'll save that for, for the end. Uh, McMaster, do you have any notable games for you this year that you felt were either disappointing or overrated? There were a, a couple of disappointing games. Um, one one big disappointment for me, uh, though I guess it really didn't hurt that bad in the end, was Gotham City Imposters. Uh, just didn't really didn't really strike uh, the same chord I was looking for, like with weird controls and everything. Um, I think one that we can probably both agree on is. Wait, hold on! You don't get off that right. easy, McMaster. Oh, all right, all right. So let's see, Gotham City Imposters. So you're the one who played that. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm the guy, yeah. Uh, you know, and it's like, it was such a great idea. I love the idea itself. Um, well, also, do you know who developed that? Because I think this contributes to, uh, I, I think, many people's sense of disappointment. Is it Monolith that did Yeah, that? yeah, yeah that's what I thought, yeah. And that's why, you know, Guardians of Middle Earth was coming out, and I was like, man, Gotham City imposters. But, uh, yeah, I got past it, so... Uh, 
God, uh, it just, I don't know. There's something about the game didn't work for me. There just wasn't enough there. Okay. Um, uh, so, okay, so you were about to, I think, say something about a Resident Evil game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Operation uh, Raccoon City was pretty harsh in the disappointment department. Ah, okay, because I, I was able to, uh, in spite of the many problems, and you and I butted oh, headfirst oh, into some of them, including one named Ada Wong, uh, <laughs> it, in spite of the many problems with that, I really liked that game a lot. It was one of those things where... Uh, I, for whatever reason, the technical issues and just that awful learning curve or lack thereof, and there's a lot of like filler in it, but for whatever reason, I really admired some of their design decisions, uh, and that ended up being something that really worked well for me. But, I, but ultimately, I liked it, was disappointing. It. Okay. it just, yeah, it just didn't really do it for me. I, I guess I was expecting something a little bit more polished than what they produced. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's Certainly certain... no one would ever accuse that game of being polished. Oh, God, no, absolutely not. Um, so, McMaster, I, one of the... Uh, Todd, sorry, go ahead, I cut you off. Sorry, I guess the, the one other big disappointment for me is Twisted Metal. I, I, see, I cut you off because I didn't want to stop talking about Raccoon City yet. Oh, sorry, go uh, ahead. So one of the things that I uh, actually had way more entries as I started thinking about this for, as far as like a, a year-end award, was a favorite new mechanic or a, like a gameplay system or a rule. And one of the things that really helped salvage my opinion of uh, Resident Evil Raccoon City were they had these mechanics for how you could get infected and your health would slowly oh, turn yeah. purple and then you would become a zombie in multiplayer, this meant that you couldn't control your character. You were just running around attacking your, your buddies, and someone would have to use an antiviral on you. I love that part of the zombie mythology, and that's not in many zombie games. So that infection thing I really liked. But then they also had a frenzy mechanic where certain weapons would do uh, bleeding damage. So a lot of times in that game, you're facing off against the other... I think you're the mercenaries working for Umbrella Corporation, and then there's the regular military guys, and then the third opponent that everybody's against is the zombies. So you've got these sort of three factions on any map, and you could use... Uh, certain weapons would do more bleed damage than others. So if you were attacking a regular human being with a weapon that did a lot of bleed damage, you could cause a frenzy effect, which would be like in Left 4 Dead when a boomer vomits on someone. It causes all the zombies to swarm towards that guy. So uh, even though I agree with you, that nobody could accuse that game of being polished, and I completely understand someone's disappointment. I loved those two mechanics in Operation Raccoon City. I wish they'd been in a better game and they'd gotten more widespread exposure. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of a big problem for them. It just, <laughs> that game just, uh, it really tanked just right out the gate. Like, when you first started playing, there were so many issues in that first mission. Yeah. That it just kind of really put a dim, dim perspective on the rest of so it. So I'm guessing, McMaster, this means you haven't kept up with their periodic DLC releases. <laughs> no, 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 I have, uh, I have not. I've still, yeah, of course, I've still got the game around. Uh, maybe I'll check it out again one of these days. All right. Uh, okay, so I, I, I think I interrupted you before you were about to say something <laughs> that would make uh, David Jaffe very upset. Yeah, well, he's always upset anyway. So uh, yeah, um, big disappointment for me. The, the new Twisted Metal. It's like. God, I love the original Twisted Metal games, but they I, I don't know what it is about this one. Is it like maybe the size of the maps? Is it like the the AI is pathetic? Uh, it just kind of just swarms you all the time. I, I don't know. It, it, it just the game itself just didn't work very well for me. 
Right. They, uh, my, my big problem with it was, uh, there were a lot of complex mechanics in it with how the different cars worked and their different weapons. And I think one of the big problems was how poorly this was documented or presented to new players. Uh, right. I, th- I think you could just jump in and not really appreciate what you were playing by the time you walked away and decided you didn't want any part of it. Uh, it's one of those things, too, McMaster, where I think if you were to jump online and be confronted with other players who actually know how the cars work and have unlocked the different cars, it would just be so incredibly frustrating. Uh, I think it's one of those things where their unlock system would actively dissuade new players from getting into it. Um, sure. And I, cu- I could be wrong about that. You know, it's interesting, McMaster, of the three games you mentioned uh, – uh, Twisted Metal, uh, Gotham City Imposters, and uh, Operation uh, Resident Evil Operation Raccoon City. All yeah. three uh, serious kind of like launch problems as far as like getting online, getting the multiplayer to work. Uh, uh, true. All three very rocky launches in, in some uh, unfortunate ways. Yeah. That's very true. Yeah. No. And there's there's no doubt that that first week is very important. Now, I think that's certainly what ended up with uh, the Secret World too. Mm-hmm. You know, um, which is you know free today. Is, is it actually free? So the announcement was yeah. today. Is it actually free today as yeah. of the announcement? Yeah. You oh. log in and it's free, man. If you bought the box, it's all yours. So uh, I haven't done it, but I've heard from multiple people. So, I mean, if not, then I have a lot of lying friends, uh, <laughs> which, you know, I don't doubt either. But, uh, yeah, I mean, as far as big disappointments, that's, that's it really it for me. I mean, The Secret World was kind of a disappointment, but I didn't expect a lot from it in the first place, so it was kind of uh, a surprise in its own right. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, so uh, what about right. you? What, oh, so let's see, my, would you like to speak further towards any of your disappointments? So uh, I listed ten of them on uh, the forum, and in uh, one of the disclaimers I would have about disappointments is they are, and you've certainly made that clear as well, McMaster, but it's a very personal thing to say you're disappointed in something. It's not necessarily saying it's bad. It's not saying you don't like it. Like, you can have different reasons for being dif- disappointed in things. Um, so, for instance, for me, if I were to, like, look at my list, the biggest disappointment uh, would have to be Resident Evil 6 just because of how much I enjoyed Resident Evil 5, certainly Resident Evil Revelations, even Operation Raccoon City. I just felt like over the last year or so, I had become uh, unwittingly, almost like I didn't realize this happened, I'd become this Resident Evil fanboy. And so 6 sure. is coming out, and I was really psyched about it. Uh, I loved certain things about 5. Um, and I was really looking forward to the next installment, and I, I the way that turned out was just so disappointing. Um, so that that would have to be my biggest disappointment uh, of the year. You, McMaster, helped me a lot with one disappointment. <laughs> so I, I just want to uh, explain this. As I mentioned, disappointment can be for, for many different reasons. It can even apply to a game that you actually like. And I really sure. am, am digging... Uh, Lego Lord of the Rings. It's the it's the Lego game I've wanted for a long time. Uh, however, I am disappointed that Traveler's Tales, the the company that makes the Lego games, continues to make the games about running around and breaking stuff and just collecting pointless collectibles that don't have a lot of gameplay value. That's it's sort of it's they've been going down this path for a long time. They have finessed the model and made it easier to get into and they've done cooler stuff with letting you jump around in open worlds. 
But I'm just kind of disappointed as I play Lego Lord of the Rings that here I am as Frodo and Sam and Merry and Pippin basically just just smashing the daylights out of the Shire, out of Rivendell, out of Lothlorien, out of Rohan. Well, well I, listen, I'm, Lothlorien had it coming. Come on, why do you say that? <laughs> why, why do you why do you hate uh, uh, Kate Blanchett? I don't hate. <laughs> I'm just saying that, you know, the elves every now and then, you need to come smash their shit up and remind them what it's all about. Because they're snooty. Yes. Okay. Uh, so I, I had a problem with this, I, I and, and this was kind of disappointed. As much as I enjoy doing it, I just, I, I, it's just, I'm running around breaking things, and that doesn't say Lord of the Rings to me. So, McMaster, you made, I don't know if this is off the cuff, I don't know how carefully you considered it, you pointed out something to me that where this is so incredible. You can do something in Lego Lord of the Rings that no other Lord of the Rings game or even movie has done before. What can you do in Lego Lord of the Rings that is, is usually something we don't get access to? You can scour the Shire. <laughs> and how would that work, McMaster? Explain well, to me how I get to do this. Okay, well, once you reach the end of Lord of the Rings, uh, you unlock free play mode. And in free play mode, you can go around the countryside purchasing characters or earning characters here and there. And you can unlock Saruman. Um, I haven't unlocked it myself, but I'm pretty sure you can get Grima Wormtongue because, I mean, come on, right? I guess the Browns in the game. I mean, Grima is literally already made, so I'm pretty sure he's on the list. And you can go back uh, to the Shire and just sack the bejesus out of it. That is awesome. So, McMaster, I'm going to be Saruman. I need you to be Grimma and just just stay by my side. I'll do most of the breaking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no problem. Yeah, we know how well that ends for Saruman. Uh, hey, wait a minute! I changed. I'm changing my mind. I'm changing. I need. I'm changing roles. I call Grimma. Yeah. No, I was. It was funny too because I was wondering. Uh, I was thinking. I've been thinking a lot about this lately because I'm playing so much like a Lord of the Rings, but nobody touches the scouring and I, I totally understand why it's in there i mean because otherwise the shire, the shire was like completely untouched by the entire war of the ring you know i mean it really was it was just kind of like oh da -do, nothing really happened there but historically you're saying it got scoured right yes is 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 well yeah i mean exactly i mean according to the books it should have been because i guess it kind of brings some of the war to the shire in a way and at the same time i mean saruman is a dick so, yeah, thank you for you. Well, so, all right, so, I, you know, I'm a little less disappointed now in, in Lego Lord of the Rings. Um, uh, McMaster, do you have any overrated games, uh, or should we just jump to some of the other categories? Uh, you know, overrated such a term. All right, let's just jump to the other categories. <laughs> all right, so uh, I did a, a, a piece today uh, basically single out, singling out games for things like graphics engines and new mechanics and uh, villains. So, McMaster, I understand you have your own entries for yes. some or maybe all of these categories. Almost all. I think I may be missing one or two, but I, I do have quite a few entries. Uh, all right, well, let's hear it. Yeah, so do you want to right. just go down the list? Do you want me sure. to give you an entry and then you, you let me know? So did you do uh, best and worst new game mechanics? Yes. What do you got? All right, for best new game mechanic, I really dig the Dragon's Dogma Pawns. Uh, I know they're a little unbalancing, but if they worked as were intended, uh, it's actually a pretty cool device to be able to purchase the service of somebody else's uh, NPC to help you along. They get a little bit of a bonus. You get the help of a character. Uh, of course, the downfall being that uh, if your friends have really high-level ones, you can just use them for free and kill everything in the game. 
I, I kind of applaud one of the many strange decisions that Dragon's Dogma makes is that is letting you kind of break or, or leapfrog the balancing they do. And I kind of feel like if they want to let you do that, uh, you know what? Go for it. it it's almost oh, like uh, setting a, it's almost like setting a difficulty level. If you want to make the game easier by using somebody's overpowered pawn, Dragon's Dogma isn't going to stop you. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Um, now, for the the worst game mechanic, uh, this is a game released in 2011, but DLC this year. And uh, I'm wait a minute, s- what kind of shenanigans are you pulling here, McMaster? Hey, DLC's new content. So <laughs> Good point. I mean, uh, all right, it's Skyrim's Dawnguard uh, campaign turning into a vampire sucks. It absolutely sucks in that thing. McMaster, is that a pun intended? Uh, oh, no, not really. Huh? That's funny. I'm <laughs> terrible. Um, no, but uh, you, you can turn into a vampire as part of the Dawn Guard campaign. Spoilers, it's about vampires. And um, it, it totally transforms you into this big, like, goofy, mutated-looking, like, uh, kind of leathery wing-having appendage having thing that's just kind of it has like a lot of cool powers to it and you can like totally level up its skill tree by draining life essence from people you're selling me on this you're making me want to play it yeah but if you turn into this thing don't ever expect to go through another doorway or explore a dungeon again because you're just going to flail into doorways because you're so big like you're too big for doors you get stuck on freaking everything and if you're a vampire, of course, going out in the daylight, you know, yada, yada. So, uh, you know, it has its downsides. And the fact that you just can't move, like, I was I was sold on it. I thought it was pretty cool at first. And then I go into the first dungeon, and you just like, oh, God, I tried to move around. I kept getting stuck on everything. It's just, I don't know, it just totally. Can you, uh, is there anything you can do to unvampire yourself? Is there a potion you can drink or something? You know, I don't know if... <sighs> If you can or not, what I ended up doing is I had saved right before I went into this one dungeon where you make the choice. So, like, I just reloaded and lost, like, an hour and was like, oh, okay, I don't want to be a vampire anymore because that kind of sucks. So uh, I changed uh, sides, and uh, I felt good about it. McMaster, maybe you just didn't level up your uh, door negotiating skill. That's probably <sighs> part of the vampire's skill tree. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, like famously, uh, vampires and Tor Johnson were not very good at navigating <laughs> doors and sets and stuff like that. So, very so well yeah. done. Thank you. Uh, uh, all right, good. So, uh, best and worst new game mechanic. Uh, did you ever? Wasn't there? Uh, was it Blood Moon for not Oblivion? The what? Morrowind. Like, couldn't in Morrowind you become a werewolf? Yes, I believe so. Yeah, there's a you know you I think you can in Skyrim too actually, but it's part of like one of the guild quests. Uh, There's all sorts of crazy stuff you can do in Skyrim actually. Okay, McMaster, let's say I do the guild quest, I become a werewolf, and now I download Dawn Guard. Can I become a werewolf vampire? I'm guessing so, uh, which just seems outrageous. That's. that's like that Jack Handy bit about the most dangerous creature in the world is a shark riding an elephant, just trampling and eating everything that they see. You know, it just doesn't really, it's not fair. A werewolf vampire. I know. <laughs> Come on, we've got to have some gameplay balance perspective here. Bethesda would never allow that. Oh, God, no, not Bethesda. <laughs> the kings of gameplay balance and bug fixing. 
Uh, Ambassador, what would be your surprises of the year? Do you have a best and worst surprise? Yeah, my biggest surprise of the year is Black Ops 2 single player. Mm -hmm. Uh, It went from nowhere on my list to uh, being really impressed with it. I haven't played a lot of it, but... The, as much, I mean, I haven't finished it, but the things I, I have done in it, I've really enjoyed it. And just the entire Black Ops 2 package, actually, was, mm-hmm. was a big surprise for me. You don't generally, I think it's been a long time since I've wanted to play a Call of Duty game for the single player. Uh, right, absolutely. Yeah. You almost, like, feel, actually, I've stopped feeling obligated to. So, uh, you know, I think the last one I actually completed was Modern Warfare 2. Uh, I played most of Black Ops, and I did a little bit of three. It just, God, ugh, uh, I just couldn't do it. But yeah, this one's pretty surprising. It's uh, it, it's it's not all just like boring scripted stuff. There's a lot of cool stuff in it. Uh, how are I? I hope McMaster that you are not going through and knocking my high scores off the leaderboards. In Black Ops? Yeah. Uh, uh, no, no. Okay. I am I, now that I know there are high scores, I'm going to. So thanks ugh. for having me. All right, it is all McMaster. God, it just, it just gives me stuff to do. I mean, I swear <laughs> to God, I've been bored lately. So it's like I've been trying to hurt you in Unit 13. And, uh, <laughs> it's not easy to do, is it? I'm good at that. No, <laughs> surprisingly enough, I guess the game is just random sometimes. <laughs> uh, so. unit, one of the many things I love about Unit 13, and I probably shouldn't tell you this, uh, you know, if you go to your Vita and you hit the little Xbox button, but the Vita version of it, it right, calls up good. a little... Um, I think there's even a word for it, like a, a screen or a display or a whatever. The live uh, area. Yeah, thank right? you, the live area, right. Yeah, yeah. Those things are pretty cool. I like that for those games, yeah. So for Unit 13, on the live area, it's a permanent link or whatever, is a scoring breakdown. And you can tap that, and it tells you exactly how it determines how many points you get for any type of mission. So I just want you to know... I have been doing this to maximize my points on some of the Unit 13 missions. Now, well, some of them I still have you, so I mean, you know, whatever. But. Well, that won't last. Uh, now, <laughs> Bl- Black Ops 2, uh, they, they also break down the scoring, and some of the cool scoring stuff is tied into the challenges for each mission. Um, so I, I don't know if they ever fixed it, but it was a huge pain in the butt to look at those challenges and then play the mission because once you were in the mission, you couldn't go back and look at the challenges and there was no way to check your progress on a challenge. Like if you had to kill 15 dudes with a hatchet, you just had to keep track on your own and and wait for the, I don't even know if you get a message when you hit the 15th. I could be wrong. Oh, man, you just bummed me out. My Elite uh, ended the other day. I don't know if I want to pay to re-up it. Oh. No, I probably won't. Oh, sorry. Uh, is, that, is that part of Black Ops 2? Like, what does that mean to Black Ops 2 when your Elite uh, subscription expires? It's the, uh, you know, all it was is the same thing Elite was for Modern Warfare 3. It's just tracking stuff, really. I mean, you know, a little bit of breakdown. I mean, it's cool and all, but, like, whatever. Uh, they did, I will say, drop the subscription to what, just like purchasing a season pass to it or something like that now? Um, I think they did at least. Uh, but yeah, the, uh, it doesn't really do much, but I will say there was a big patch, uh, within the last few days, so they may have changed some of that stuff. There's like a 30 meg patch or something like that. Uh, I also like uh, the fact that you can change your loadouts in the single player. Like, I, I enjoy that. Yeah. yeah, that's really cool. Um, McMaster, I want you to go through the missions just using a pistol. I can do. All right. <laughs> I am uh, level 49 Prestige 2 now. I'm not Prestige 3 yet. But... Well, I'm level 50 Prestige 2, so there. 
Oh, whatever. <laughs> McMaster, what is your worst surprise of the year? Uh, Steel Battalions. Ah, uh, you played Steel Battalions for the. Game. I didn't play it at all. That's that's the thing. Is like, uh, I guess maybe that should have been my best surprise. Is my my cat ate through my Connect cable because I was going to purchase Steel Battalion, being a big fan oh. of the original. And uh, yeah, but that's now it is one smart cat, McMaster. Oh yeah, it was like uh, I was like, oh man, Steel Battalion's coming out, so I go and plug the Connect in because what the hell else am I going to do with it? And uh, and yeah, it didn't work. So my big surprise was uh, that. But I guess in the end, it was a good thing. Yep. Uh, what about best single moments and worst single moments of the year? Do you have anything for those? Yes. You're going to laugh at me for this, possibly. But my favorite moment, I think, in a game this year, this is weird, <clears throat> is fighting Balrog in LEGO Lord of the Rings. But you don't fall. Oh, oh, as he's falling. That bit, yeah. right? I guess you do kind of climb around on him. and Yeah. yeah. I, I thought that whole uh, that whole bit was actually really cool. I was say again, say again, McMaster, what you called the, is what? Say the name of your favorite thing. In Balrog. The Wait, say the whole thing. What's your favorite moment I, of the year? Fighting Balrog and Lego Lord of the Rings. You're saying that like that's his name. Isn't he the Balrog? He's just a Balrog. It's fighting oh, okay. the Balrog or fighting. Isn't that or am I am I getting my Lord of the Rings nerdrum wrong? You know, I, no, you're probably right. You okay. Know? Uh, I just, uh, you know, I, I was thinking may, he could have been fighting the, the dude from Street Fighter. You never know. That's um, Blanca. You're thinking of Blanca. That's, yeah, that's a, yeah, he was fighting Blanca. That would have been a different fight. None <laughs> shall pass, and then Gandalf gets the shit shocked out of him immediately <laughs> afterwards. Uh, By the way, that totally sounds like something in PlayStation All-Stars, which I think is pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> just trying to get away with that. Like, oh, we're going to pretend Gandalf is a Sony property. And we're also going to put Blanca in here. Go. Yeah. So, like, okay, Darth Vader is a Sony property, right? Uh, yeah, no. The, uh, did you play uh, – have you played any of the, the weird Frodo parts in, like, the Lego Lord of the Rings where he's uh, invisible or in the other realm or whatever while you're it's, playing? Yeah, I like, I like it does this these part. co-op things where you've got to go through and, yeah, like, one person's in the real world and the other person is invisible Frodo and, yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool, too. McMaster, what would be your worst single moment of the year? If, if fighting Balrog, as you call it, like that's his name, is your favorite, what would be the worst single moment you had this year? Um, the beginning of the airport terminal in Max Payne 3. Uh, a lot of people really liked the soundtrack for that game. I thought it was okay. But there's this one song that just completely I, – I can't remember the name of the song, but it plays – Every time. And uh, it's like this giant airport terminal. And if for some reason one of the guys a million yards away gets a lucky shot and shoots you in the head, you have to redo the whole thing. And, I, um, I remember that level vividly, and I remember many uh, times playing that over. Yeah, It's basically two long rooms. Like yep. You clear out the first one, and then you've still got that whole second room to go. And if I'm not mistaken, if you die in that second room, the checkpoint is way at the beginning of the first yeah. long room. Yeah, And it restarts that song that started to drive me nuts. Just like it drive me completely insane towards the end. So, yeah, that was probably my worst moment of gaming in this year. <laughs> do you have a, a choice for most and least punishing games? I do. Um, most punishing game to me was Resident Evil Operation Raccoon City, being that the checkpoint system and the guide made it really hard to play certain parts of that game. So when I got to the end of a hallway over and over and over again, instead of hitting a button, I tried to fight a monster that killed me for like an hour or an hour and a half. 
That was my most punishing moment, I think, in all of game. And what about a least punishing, or maybe you'd call this most forgiving, easiest girlfriend uh-huh. mode? What, 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 what have you? Yeah, uh, Diablo three, I think, was yeah. it for me? Yeah, it's it was just like it's a walkthrough experience the first time. Yeah. Uh, uh, no. Do you have favorite characters this year? Yes, uh, best character I would have to give it to Handsome Jack. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you counted him as a villain, which is just so so hurtful. He's he's apparently he's a good guy. He's just trying to help the people of Pandora. Right. He's uh, misunderstood. Fair enough. Okay. I think yeah. You know. He's certainly he, a he's a charming fellow, and by all accounts, uh, handsome. Oh God, he's horrible. He's like one of the he's so he, he's awesome. But uh, and uh, I think my worst character. I don't know if this might hit you close to uh, close to your heart or not, but uh, Traherne from Guild Wars Two drove <laughs> drives me. Absolutely insane. Now, why? He's just a tree dude who's trying to make do. Like, there's the the. I think they're the eponymous guild, if I'm not mistaken. Like, there's one from each race, yes. uh, and Tahern is the the equivalent of an elf, and these elves are particularly leafy in Guild Wars Two. Why <laughs> oh, do you yes. hate uh, Treehern? Uh, I guess it's because he never shuts up, and a lot of the voice acting in Guild Wars Two is pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, and, I mean, some of it's not. But, you know, a lot of it, I mean, it's pretty rough. I mean, it's up there with Skyrim for some uh, voice acting action. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah, I don't know. He never shuts up. Uh, There's so many storyline quests where you have to go and find him and then tell him something. And then he tells you to go talk to some people and then come back and tell him something. (laughs) And it's just, oh, my God. Uh, Yeah. Master, you know what I can't help but think of when you uh, mentioned his name? It didn't even occur to me before. Uh, I wonder if he's in a relation to Jackie Treehorn. Do you he know might be. I do know who Jackie Treehorn is. Uh, Jackie Treehorn from Big Lebowski, Ben Gazzara, yeah. I think. Yeah, he, uh, yeah, he makes uh, uh, women out of objects, man. <laughs> uh, all right, so a little hate on for uh, Guild Wars Two. I, I, McMaster, I just want. I hope that's the last of that out of you. There, okay, there might be one more or two. I mean, like a bunch. But, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to it slowly. All right, okay. Uh, let's do sidekicks. All right, sidekicks. Uh, mine aren't that exciting. Uh, CL4 PTP uh, is uh, no, my nobody favorite. Says it. nobody says it that way. You're like someone who's – that's like mispronouncing R2-D2's name. I don't know how you would do that. All right, it's Claptrap. I, I'm very fond of Claptrap, um, which also kind of ties into my worst sidekick is uh, I nominate your character in Borderlands 2 as a terrible sidekick. To my Clap- siren? Yeah, it's terrible to everybody because you're supposed to be Claptrap sidekick, and you're always getting him killed. He's always running into stuff. He'd, the poor guy, you know. No, I, mean, I love it, McMaster. I love this. So break it down. Explain. So the worst sidekick. What, what do you mean by this? Maybe for people who haven't played Borderlands Two yet, because this was such a clever bit in the game. I want I want you to break it down in case folks haven't played Borderlands Two. A Claptrap, uh, once he rescues you, proclaims him, uh, you his sidekick. And uh, that goes on basically the entire game, uh, where he makes it out to be his giant fight against Handsome Jack and how you're doing his dirty work, and he's basically, you know, he takes all the credit. So really, in the end, you know, he he thinks all this, but you're really just kind of pushing him off of things and letting him run into things all the time. So you're kind of not a very good sidekick at all. And he even calls you that, or he calls you his minion, I think. <laughs> yeah, he calls you sidekick and minion and... Uh, all manner of things. Uh, oh, McMaster, that's inspired. Great pick. Very good. <laughs> yeah, I don't. That, I don't know why that one hit me, but I was like, man, yeah. 
Well, and he has you do a quest for him. Yes, he has you do the best quest ever for him. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, McMaster, what about a best weapon or a worst and a worst weapon this year? All right. Best weapon, I had to go with the darkness from Darkness 2, just because... Oh, it's general many, darkness, just darkness yeah. powers, okay. Mm-hmm. Because there's so many awesome uses of the darkness in that game, and that includes the co-op modes, which have some pretty sweet darkness action as well. Yep, yep. Um, now, my worst weapon I know you'll agree with is the starting gun in Call of Duty Black Ops 2 zombie mode, which is the worst uh, pistol I think I've ever used in a game. It's pretty bad, isn't it? It's oh, kind of like you know. I wonder. It makes me wonder if it's like a starter pistol that's actually firing blanks, and you have to kill the you have to kill the zombie with the sound waves from the little blank. I, that's <laughs> the only thing that makes sense to me. Is it is really? Oh my god! Uh, you shoot a zombie in the head like three or four times, and it's still nothing. You're like, uh, uh, Pastor, I'm going to drop you into a zombie apocalypse, but I'm going to give you a BB gun. Okay. That sounds about right. Yeah, that does sound about right. All right. Oh God. <laughs> What's uh, the name of that pistol, by the way? Isn't it like a five five nine, or is it? A, is it's a real gun, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I can't remember exactly what the pistol is, but it is a real gun. I think they just kind of either made zombies have really bullet resistant heads for some reason, or uh, or that pistol just kind of sucks for that mode. Well, you know, I mentioned for my worst weapon the cricket bat in Zombie U because it <laughs> takes forever to kill something with this cricket oh, yeah. bat. So it's kind of like, and I, I freely grant that in a zombie killing game, you've got to strike that balance between the zombies being easy to kill and incentivizing, you know, making the player want to go get a better weapon. Uh, if if you get a good, if that if that cricket bat was effective if that pistol in call of duty was good you would just sit and use that all the time so it's it's a weird balancing act and you know i love to be able to hate these kind of weapons but i understand why they give us crappy weapons yeah Yeah, and it's like uh yeah you know and i think they learned a lesson from earlier zombie games because your starting pistol is actually kind of substantial in some of them to the point where if you were going to getting headshots you could use it for the first two three rounds right uh so yeah i think they wanted to just say yeah no you need to buy something else yeah cough up the 500 space bucks off the bat you cheapskate it's time to buy a gun yeah exactly yeah absolutely um all right uh let's let's talk uh villains all right who who's your best and worst villain this year all right I'm going to get my worst villain out of the way first so you can stop feeling uh, sad. Uh, I, a lot of the dungeon bosses in Guild Wars 2, because, like, some of them are, they just, uh, a lot of them are just kind of uninspired towards the end. You know, like, you, you start off with, like, Coticus Manor and all these places that are really cool, and then you start getting towards the end of the game, and a lot of them are like, oh, I'm the spider guy, and <laughs> I, I'm the guy that makes you fight robots for a really long time. Uh First of all, they're not they're not robots. They're they're golems, I think. My bad, my bad. And uh, second of all, uh, I don't have a second of all. No, I mean, and it's not that like I love the fight after that point, but like that actual fight is so awful. And a lot of the the villains, I, yeah, I keep picking picking on Guild Wars too for the writing. I shouldn't do that. It's it's a great game, uh, but but uh, mm, my best villain. And this is kind of spoilery. So I don't know. It's kind of hard to say. Though. Is it someone who you don't know is a villain? It, at first, maybe. Uh, you've played Assassin's Creed Three. Uh, I think. Uh, I think you should probably. You could probably guess who my favorite villain is. Assassin's Creed Three. Like I don't. I, the story. Uh, is it George Washington? No. It's oh. uh, the, who do you play first? 
Oh, Haytham, Haytham, Hayfer. Yeah, Haytham Kenway. Yeah, him and like Charles Lee. They're just really cool villains in that camp. Oh, I see what you're saying. Right, right. Well, yeah. they, they do. Yeah, you know, it's a weird. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's not your Charles Lee becomes a Charles Lee's basically a mustache twirling, snidely whiplash kind of villain. Yeah. But but the Hatham yeah. stuff is really cool. Like I like how it's not your typical villain and the whole father son dynamic. I, I wish it had been a little better written, but I love the overall framework of that. Yeah, yeah, I really like that too. By the way, did you? I don't know if you've gotten very far into uh, Assassin's Creed Liberation, but they do some pretty cool stuff with her mother in that. Like, have you uh, seen where that goes? Well, I mean, the only thing I did was like I've done a, a few of the missions. I know they did the one where she goes to this this uh, slave that's being tortured by the guy, and then they start the railroad and all that. Um, but I can't remember anything past that. Okay. Well, I just there's a there's a bit of a. You know, just as Assassin's Creed 3 has a father-son kind of thing going, Assassin's Creed Liberation seems to be playing with some mother-daughter stuff, which I, I enjoy. Uh, I, I, you know what? I wish they would hire. They have great ideas. I wish they would have better writers, like better execution of their ideas with these uh, these stories that, that uh, Ubisoft is doing, whether it's Far Cry 3 or the Assassin's Creed games. Uh, you know, they're, they're on to something, but I just wish the writing wasn't so clunky. I, I wish they could have someone there, like Anthony Birch at Gearbox, or, right. or like the guys at, at Valve who do the writing. I just... Uh, or M. I, Night, uh, you know, they could use him. <laughs> <laughs> he, could, he could put a sweet ending on every... Actually, he would kind of fit in the Assassin's Creed franchise, if you really think about it. McMaster is clunky. I, I think that's, that's a fine comparison to make like right now the assassin's creed the, a lot of ubisoft games are written with this kind of m night shamalian sense of squandered potential for the story yeah well, it's like all their games start out like unbreakable six <laughs> and then man they go straight to the village or right. whatever it is uh yeah now he uh yeah that guy Professor, do you have picks for favorite and least favorite graphics engines? Now, this is kind of a weird one because I, I, a lot of times people will just talk about like graphics in a general sense, but I, I like to distinguish between artwork, which is the stuff that the graphics engine presents, right. and the graphics engine, which is the more technical aspect of it. Uh, so, did you fiddle with this entry at yes. all? Uh, okay. I had to pick. Uh, it was kind of a tie for best for me. Uh, Planet Side Two is really fantastic looking, uh, and it's out now. Uh, if you have the rig to run it, it like at high high settings, it looks mm -hmm. awesome, uh, and it doesn't look terrible at mid settings either. Uh, and I was really surprised with how good Borderlands 2's engine looked on PC uh, when I played uh, at 19, 20, 10, 80. It's actually a really nice looking uh, engine they've been using. Okay, good. Uh, now, what about a least favorite graphics engine? Uh, Xenoblade Chronicles. Oh, come <laughs> on! Uh, McMaster, I'm going to take you to task on this. Go ahead. Why do you not like it? Uh, uh, the Wii. I mean, I, you know, it's not their fault. I understand, but I, it's the Wii, you know? Uh, my thing, I mean, you're right, it's definitely a Wii, and it suffers from some of that, but I really thought, considering the limitations of the Wii, the graphics engine, as far as, like, what they were able to accomplish with the size of the levels, with uh, the kind of the artwork they wanted to put into the levels, uh, I thought that was a tremendous engine. Like, there were, there were times at the end where I could not believe that I hadn't been through a loading screen yet. Um, well, I will so. give you that. Like the the fact that they uh, did have kind of wide open spaces is pretty impressive. It's you just, just you a, just hate the Wii. I understand. I, I do. I do. I can't help it. I'm sorry. Uh, it's I just don't understand their their choices. 
over the last the thing is, with the, with the size of that game, with the, the scale and the scope of uh, Xenoblade Chronicles, you can't help but, but wonder what would this be like on a truly next-gen uh, platform. And, uh, yeah. and if not, you know, I'm not going to be stupid enough to say, oh, the Xbox 360, yeah, because, you know, totally, Xenoblade Chronicles belongs on the 360. But, like, the PlayStation 3 or even, I mean, the, the Vita, you know? I mean, I would accept that. Uh, All right, what about now artwork? If we go over to that yeah. side of the equation, just the, the the creative use of a graphics engine, what would be your picks for best and worst? Um, my best and worst are actually the same game, uh, and they are The Secret World. Because some parts of The Secret World... Uh, with all the crazy graphic stuff turned up and some of the settings and like everything uh, and all the uh, ambiance mm-hmm. uh, of uh, of the world itself uh, made it really cool in certain areas. Uh, you know, Black House, for instance, um, or in London in the park where they're doing they have like the the Shakespeare stage and the guy you know Galahad or whatever standing around just a it's just a really attractive game and then uh, you know you would get to some parts of it and you're like this looks like it was uh, made about ten years ago so mm-hmm. it, it's just it's kind of an up and down for that one uh, I wish I could have seen Transylvania. I do too, you know, and oh my god, that's like the biggest thing that irritates me. Of course, I guess I could go back now and still be frustrated, but uh, well, hey, at least it's free. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right, so uh, that's an interesting choice. Best and worst artwork in one game. Uh, I did love some of the. I mean, I love the feel of that Maine slash New England slash yeah. Stephen Kingy type area. Uh, once it got to Egypt, though, it it just felt like it. It just felt so, like, thematically clunky and heavy. Like, it was just, weird. Yeah, like having to f- figure out different ways to do, okay, here's this desert area, and here's a different desert area, and here's this desert city, and a different desert city, and here's a tomb. Like, uh, while they were in this quaint, you know, relatable New England city and countryside, I really found that engaging. But yeah. it, it just became, once you're like, okay, I'm in Egypt, you know, I'm in the same place where Sirius Sam takes place, uh, it, <laughs> it just felt forced. And it, and it loses a lot of its horror charm, by the way. Uh, oh sure it does yeah that like the biggest thing that uh, that really they played on to me was almost like the same kind of feel you get in resident evil 5 really they just play with the whole like mindless uh zombie citizen thing and that can be really creepy in that setting but beyond that it I mean, let's be realistic. I mean, the setting's kind of boring at this point. Uh, a lot of games use the, the desert. A lot of yeah. the games use Egypt. It's just kind of, I don't know, it, it's it's bland. There's a reason that the New England countryside works so well is because there's such a great like palette of colors. Uh, yeah. It's just, uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's why I want to get to Transylvania uh, to see, you know, what they play, you know, to play with that Eastern European dark forest setting. I, I'd really like to see that. And plus, I understand you can find some very fetching kind of Swiss Miss type outfits for your characters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know if my character would look so good in it, but. Uh... <laughs> no, and that's the thing. I really always did want to see Transylvania. Uh, it just really kills me. That, McMaster, uh... let's you and I go to Transylvania. All right, we'll do it. Now that it's not costing us anything a month, yeah. Maybe I've still got a bunch of things. As a matter of fact, I'll mention it at the end of this podcast. They're about. Maybe eight or ten games, eh, not quite ten, maybe eight games from this year that I haven't played yet that I really want to try to get in, even though I don't have high hopes for them. Once I've gotten some time with those, I think you and I should push our way through to Transylvania. All right. Yeah, I'm, right. I'm down with that. 
Master Transylvania or Bust? That's right. All right, good. Uh, how about sound? Can you do sound design uh, and music? Do those? Yes. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I have those. Uh, all right, I mostly just agree with you on Assassin's Creed Three. Assassin's Creed Three is just a great setting for for using that kind of like audible kind of almost porn where you can just like have the little settings, the little the little twitching, you know, the little the crunch of the snow, the feel of the you know, just Yeah, the, snow the crunching, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and the the feel of battle. Yeah, and on this as you were saying, uh, in yours uh, at sea, you know, just like a, just this great swelling feeling to to every scene. So. But Vester, real quick, I want to cut you off because I want to change one of my answers. One of the biggest right. surprises for me this year was how well that at-sea stuff worked in Assassin's Creed 3. Because I remember seeing that at like E3 presentations and that was kind of a that was kind of a, a selling point that they were pushing. I think like they had a trailer or something. And I remember seeing that stuff and thinking, that's going to be stupid. That's going to be no. so inane. I'm not going to want to fly or drive a ship around and shoot cannons just to watch stuff blow up. And by golly, if that didn't end up working out so incredibly well, I just love yeah. how that's a money sink. Actually, maybe I did mention this in my awards, but I found I was so surprised at how well that worked. Um, no, it does. Uh, it really does. It's uh, and the sound yeah. is a lot of it. The, the men it's yelling, awesome. just the fact that you're you're this ship is like swaying on the ocean. Your crew members are yelling, and you're calling out when you turn the ship. Like uh, the sound was a big part of that. Just it, it was this big sort of perfect storm of sound and visuals and things blowing up and the little the historical setting of those ships. Uh, so yeah. So anyway, uh, that was a surprise for me. One of my favorite new game mechanics, and a great example of sound in, in Assassin's Creed Three, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. No, I really like that. Um, now, as for for worst sound design, I guess this kind of isn't technically the sound design's fault, but it is the most sound related thing that sticks out by my. Let mind. me guess. Can I guess what you're going to say? Sure. Uh, Treherne in Guild Wars 2. No, no, no. No, okay. no. I'm picking on the other MMO. This is the secret world. Yeah, uh, the Something Wicked quest, when it was broken, there would be, like, piles of white doves or crows or whatever constantly oh, it- chattering like dead little girls. <laughs> and I remember going over there and just this whispery dead little girl chatter festival was going on. with all, And it just, uh, 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 oh, the secret world. So yeah, that that one really stuck out to me. Uh, otherwise, yeah, I, I can't really point out any other great bad sound design. I mean, I saw you did Need for Speed. I didn't really play that one. All right. Well, I guess you're not going to be knocking any of my uh, high scores off of the billboards or the speed cameras in Need for Speed, are you? No, I guess not. Not until it's uh, is it cross? It's not cross platform, is it? It is in a weird way. So uh, Need for Speed, and this is another way you're never going to displace me, McMaster. Need for Speed, everything you do earns you the equivalent of experience points. You don't you don't spend these to buy anything, but they go into a bucket and it determines your your uh, the eponymous most wanted level. Uh, so as you're earning these points. You're going up levels, and you're beating your friends. There's currently one dude ahead of me, and I'm, I'm coming for him. I am going to be most wanted. Uh, but what they do is any platform you are playing on goes into EA's servers. So when I play on my Vita, I am earning points that apply to my most wanted level on the 360 and vice oh. versa. It's a global most wanted level, which is a really cool way to do it. Um, 
man, you're cheating. I'm just going to get it for the Vita and then hand it to like an eight-year-old or something. <laughs> Wait a minute. That's cheating. I wouldn't, stand, <laughs> I wouldn't stand a chance against an eight-year-old. I know. That's why. That's why. Yeah. Damn. All right. Um, Ambassador, let's talk music. Do you have a favorite and um, least favorite music this year? I guess my favorite music has to probably, in part, come from Borderlands 2. I'm not saying uh, all of it, but it, it wasn't a terrible soundtrack, and I did like uh, the Short Change Hero intro parts. And uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, I love that. Jazz. Yeah. Um, and for worse music, I'm not a huge fan of, like, setting the Max Payne 3 soundtrack. Uh, I, I, worst is kind of harsh, but it just kind of is... It seems like every game now, Rockstar tries harder and harder to find something hip. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's a, Rockstar is the the hippest company. It makes me long for uh, uh, Grand Theft Auto. What was the Miami Vice one called? Uh, oh yeah, Vice City. Actually, Vice I mean, City. San Andreas was great too. I mean, for rap and yeah. uh, and like that time period, because you had a bunch of like stuff like Helmet, that kind of thing. But like. Uh, you know, and it's not that I, I'm, I'm like some kind of old fogey or whatever. It's just every time a rock star announces a new soundtrack, it's like, uh, you know, a hipster delight. Um, but yeah, that's that's it for me for the music. All right, now let's talk endings of games. Don't uh, careful of spoilers, but what would you choose as your best ending and your worst ending? You know. I, I, I'm have, I have a hard time with the worst ending, but for best ending, and this is kind of weird, I really like the Dishonored bad ending, which you said what's the chaos system for, and that's what the chaos system's for. There's- well, they also have implied the chaos system has to do with the number of rats, and like the, the implication of the chaos system is it's not just a determination of the ending, it also affects the world. Uh, and I think right. that's a little sloppily executed. Like I'm not sure that I really see how clearly that works uh yeah no it's like uh, having gone through it and done you know happy and not happy uh it's like yeah you certainly see a lot more rats you see a lot more of the walking zombies uh but they're not really that they're not really that big of a deal i guess in the end which uh, i can i can totally give you yeah that really wouldn't doesn't affect it that much uh, but, but so the, I, I've never gotten to the ending, but you're saying that uh, the ending of Dishonored is a, is a good payoff? Well, it depends on if you like depressing things, uh, and I do. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I liked it. Okay. But I liked it because it was it, – it's a pretty dark uh, and sarcastic ending. Good. Good for them. All right. Uh, now, McMaster, have you been playing the – Dunwall Trials, I think that's what it's called, the DLC? I have, I have not. Uh, I've actually been too busy trying to Skyrim, man. Freaking Skyrim. <laughs> McMaster, did you turn into a vampire again and now you can't get through doors? Oh, no, I, I undid all that silliness. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, I guess for endings for me, that I played so many MMOs and so many things didn't really have real endings mm-hmm. you know that i played it just kind of uh, i didn't I, I can't really think of one that just like was overly terrible right a bad uh-huh. ending all right uh i i also think mcmaster that we're kind of condition uh, like i expect so little from endings these days yeah. that when one is good it really stands out for me uh yeah. and Otherwise, there are just so many middling endings. But but I, I really wish more games would pay attention to that sense of payoff, to, to like, keeping something cool at the end. 
Yeah, I mean, well, I guess really the big thing about the Dishonored ending I like so much is kind of that. It's almost like a, oh, well, you know, you did everything the the hard way. You still get, you know, a happy ending. It's not that, you know. It's like, you know, screw you. (laughs) Like, you're not getting anything happy out of this. Uh, Life sucks. (laughs) It's uh, it's delightful. All right. Uh, McMaster, do you have a best quest and a worst? Quest. Yes, and uh, the, my best quest is the haunting in the secret world. I absolutely love that quest. I saw you mentioned the Black House, uh, but the haunting itself—the one uh, is that where the you school? go through the different—you go through the different time periods. Oh dang! I want to change my answer. <laughs> oh, That's the best. at the mansion. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That one's awesome. And I'm uh, change- oh, McMaster, you jerk. I always get the best ones. <laughs> um, and then my my least favorite quest was the final quest I played for the Secret World, which was uh, the storyline quest where you go into the temple and get jumped by like twenty dudes. And uh, I was plenty high enough level. I just hadn't built my character to be able to take that many guys at once. And so, uh, <laughs> shut up, Tom. <laughs> Speaking of things that sound like weird porn. Oh, no. (laughs) McMaster, what are your picks for best and worst multiplayer of the year? All right. Best multiplayer, I mean, you know, I have to give the whatever a nod to Black Ops 2, of course, but that's not going to be my pick. I think the best multiplayer game of the year is Borderlands 2. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, just yeah, it's a great engine. It, it's a much better game than the first one, and uh, yeah. So you mentioned that McMaster, but part of why I would, uh, part of my issue with the the multiplayer in Borderlands, I've really enjoyed. I've had some great time playing the multiplayer, and certainly appreciating the interplay among skills. I kind of feel like my my siren who can encapsulate people and turn them into a health pinata for everybody, and I love the way that. A character rises up into the air, and everybody knows to shoot it because they're going to get health out of that. Like, I love the interplay of some of that. I played with, uh, we have a friend named Bill Abner, and he had a, I think, a gunzerker that makes you regenerate your ammo. And, oh, oh my golly, I got so attached to playing with him and not having to worry (laughs) about ammo. And I I just really appreciate what they do, some of the things they do. But as far as a, a game with a loot chase, and I can't deny that's part of what Borderlands is doing, the fact that they, they, make you just like fight over guns now when i'm playing with you or bill we can all agree and say okay do you need this gun do you need it i can get that same kind of interplay jumping into random games but every time i've done that people just run around like jerks scooping up the guns as quickly as they can without me seeing what what they do uh and and the folks at gearbox have said i think randy pitchford even said something to the along the lines of well, it's an apocalypse, and this is what it would really be like in a dog-eat-dog world. So it just seems like such a half-assed game design decision. That's um, a good answer for picture. Uh, That's funny. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, but I do love the multiplayer in that. So I, I got it. Uh, yeah, I, I can't, I can't and, take any issue with how cool that is as a multiplayer game. Absolutely. You know, and I have to agree with you on Assassin's Creed Liberation. I did, I did start it up. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, what the hell is that? <laughs> I mean, it's it's almost like a Peter Molyneux level of experiment. Like they're they're <sighs> they're, they're checking to see how many people would actually play the Assassin's Creed Liberation multi. Exactly, it's multiplayer <laughs> Rick rolling. <laughs> it's like, you know, the only reason I would maybe give it to another game would be the Black Ops Declassified because it just doesn't work. That's like the worst. Ah. But, but uh, yeah, that's a pretty rough one that actually works. I so, mean, I, 
You, you mentioned that Black Ops Declassified a Vita game. We're, we're making fun of Assassin's Creed Liberation on the Vita. I actually want to call out for worse multiplayer. Uh, it's not actually multiplayer support for a game, but it's a multiplayer feature. I still, to this day, and it's only been a few weeks, I've been trying to figure it out. What the freaking heck is going on with that stupid near? thing on the PlayStation Vita. I find in Assassin's Creed 3, I like find a cool item and I could put it on near. I don't know who I'm giving it to. I don't know if I'm just throwing it out there in the universe. I've I've on near people have I've gotten gifts from I don't know whom uh for games that I'm not even playing. I got a pool queue for Pool Hustle 2012 or some game that I'm not about to play. Why did I get a pool cue for that? I'm getting downloadable bits for Ragnarok Odyssey, which I played a little bit and decided not for me, deleted it. I, I got some kind of magic bow for that. What on earth is going on with Nier, McMaster? I don't know. You know, I just uh, I go on there every now and then. I, like, put up a something and go, oh, okay. And then you know I what? When I out. get something, I want to give it to you. I found a lapis lazuli. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. I found a little gem. Why can't I give that to my friend, Jason McMaster, instead of just, like, chucking it out there to some random Yahoo on, on, on near? I well, want you to have I mean, that. I think that's Sony's doctrine on communism. I, I think <laughs> that they're, they're plotting the downfall of America. It's redistribution of wealth, damn it, and I won't have it. Oh, I'm, it's awful. <laughs> I, the thing is, I love I, what I what I think Near is trying to do. I love in theory, but I I don't understand the execution of it. I don't understand what they think about why it works that way. It's just insane. Uh, all right. Uh, okay. What about uh, writing, McMaster? If you were to choose right. best writing and worst white writing. I mean, you know, my writing it's it's a pretty unexciting. I'm going to go with Borderlands 2 because I'm quite fond of what they did with Borderlands 2. I think people mistake willfully ignorant for humor with being ed, you know edgy and things like that so I, I think i think people just miss a lot of of humor by thinking it's lowbrow and kind of missing the actual clever parts of it and i think borderlands 2 had quite a bit of clever humor hidden inside of its hey i'm screaming at you in all caps yep okay yep thing. i agree sure. um I think uh, there was a lot of good writing hidden in there, too, and uh, I think it helped the game become so much more than the original. Mm -hmm. uh, boy, the original, that, and that's a, that was such a surprise, too, is the original, and I think everything Gearbox has done, I mean, they're, they're not really strong with, like, narrative or writing or characterization. So It's awesome. <laughs> you got me there. Good point. <laughs> it's powerful. Speaking, speaking of Duke Nukem, what would you single out for worst writing this year? You know, and I don't. <laughs> this this is going to sound awful because I don't feel the entire game is this way. But certain segments of Max Payne Three made me want to punch everything I could see. <laughs> it's, a lot, it's a lot of Dan Dan Hauser in there. Oh man, some of his quips just don't make any sense whatsoever in any context. They're just clever things to be said, but some of them aren't so clever. Um, and But there are parts that it does work, you know? I mean, I and I actually like the ending of Max Payne 3, as corny as it was. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's just, I, I don't know. Uh, there, there's so many bits of Max Payne 3 that made me cringe. And in the multiplayer, the fact that they start off, like, every match with some stupid Max Payneism, And some <laughs> of them are fine, and then some of them are just stupid. Oh, I'm I trying remember, to remember some of the well, ones yeah, that so that you mad. Each map has two factions. 
factions on it. Uh, and I recall one of the factions is like a, a loudmouth Jersey type characters. And I, I ended up with the loudmouth Jersey girl. Yeah. And she'll say things like, uh, I'm going to dump you in the harbor, bitch. Yeah. But, yeah. but like with a real grating Jersey accent, I, I can't even begin to do that. Uh, it's that it's that multiplayer can trash talk stuff that's just so goofy. Yeah. Uh, so, all right, so uh, poor Rockstar can't get any respect from uh, Jason McMaster. Yeah, you know, I, it's not been a, a Red Dead <laughs> fucking... Oh, sorry. Mm, sorry. You mom. can say the F word on this podcast. That's right, just because your mom... Yeah, I'm not going to say it because your mom might be listening, but if you want to talk that way in front of your mom, McMaster, go ahead. Knock yourself out. You got me. My mom's going to be so disappointed <laughs> if she ever hears this podcast, which is unlikely. What about best twists and worst twists? Again, these could be construed as spoilers, so careful. Right, okay, so the problem I have with saying these uh, things about twists is that, like, the twists I like were very easy to see coming. Mm -hmm. Uh, However, I still liked them for some reason. I don't know. Uh, and they were both, uh, you know, it, it was two. is Dishonored and Assassin's Creed 3. I won't say Dishonored or Assassin's Creed 3 because there's so many twists. Like, I won't say which one, but specifically in AC3, towards the end, like, uh, what what ends up happening to the future or the current day people mm-hmm. okay. is, is a surprise. It was a pretty good twist. I Ha-ha, you care about something that happened to Desmond. Ha-ha. Oh, Desmond. He's close to my heart. Um, he was not that bad, this game, comparably, it, to me at least. And, and I'll tell you why. You know, you, you talk about the sequences where you're fighting without the prompts and everything. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that bad because it, it kind of reminded me of Batman. Uh, playing in the expert mode, they don't prompt you. McMaster, I just I feel like I don't even know you anymore. Ah, well, anyway, uh, and they, at least they were short, you know, so there is that. How, how, how dare you compare Batman Arkham City to the Desmond hoo-ha stuff in Assassin's Whoa. Creed 3? McMaster, I've, uh, most, I I've, the, I'm, hold on, fighting. I'm putting uh, Jason McMaster on the most disappointed of the year list. All right, go ahead. I just meant the fighting, since there are no prompts. Since I had played Batman without the prompts and everything, I, I got kind of used to the whole, uh, it's not going to tell me to hit the X button or whatever to block this guy. The funny thing is I kind of sympathize with what Ubisoft is trying to do, and that is make you realize that you're not in the Animus anymore. You know, the Animus is the excuse in Assassin's Creed 3, this device that you're in that creates these memories, this virtual reality thing. That's the excuse for all the interface stuff in the games. So in order for them to make clear that you are no longer in this device, they can't really do those kind of tricks. Uh, or if they right. can, it kind of breaks their their uh, their conceit. Um, so I sort of sympathize with them, but I just, I, I just want no part of Desmond. And... Um. and and that's just why I'm partly why I'm really digging Assassin's Creed Liberation. I just love the fact that we can have an Assassin's Creed game without Desmond. Well, and that's kind of the whole thing. It's like if they totally wanted to like throw Assassin's Creed or Desmond out there as like some rad character that everybody wants to play, you're going to have to make the stuff in the uh, Animus like a shitload less interesting. Yeah, good point. Exactly. You know, like you can't like if you're going to be oh uh, yeah Desmond, why don't you go jump in there and be a farmer for twenty years? You know, uh, you'll have to pay your daughter's dowry, so you need to save up. Uh, you know that kind of thing. Oh look, you're you're going to lose a lot of kids. 
uh, you'll probably die when you're 40. Um, or if you want, we can go out and punch a bunch of ninjas in the face, high five, and have a chili dog. I think that that would sell Desmond a lot more than, say, for instance, being a badass Native American in the middle of the American Revolution. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying. It's kind of like all those stories when people talk about who they were when they were in their right. past, past lives. It's always like a king or a princess or a warrior. or Nobody was just a regular dude in a past life. No, yeah, nobody was like a dung like collector. Nobody was, yeah, nobody was a seamstress that just kind of died when they were, you know. <laughs> exactly. And, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, if they wanted Desmond to be cool, they should have thought about that before they started making that everything else so rad. So for best twist, then, are you picking both Dishonored and Assassin's Creed 3? Yeah, Dishonored, I guess I I like Dishonored's twist because it's so easy to see coming, but it totally gets you into the second part of the game. Now, what about a worst twist? Uh, And uh, this this is one of my favorite games, but Borderlands 2, because, you know, if you played the first Borderlands, we're all pretty sure we know what what was going to happen with what's her name. Angel. No. Angel. Yeah. Well, whatever the hell her name. Uh, yeah. 40 different names. Yeah. That, that's a terrible twist. I mean, if, of course, I'm kind of cheating there. Cause I don't think they really cared. But, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. You can see that one coming. Do you have PR awards, McMaster? Like games that have uh, uh, public I, relations, either disasters or successes? I do. Uh, they're, uh, the worst was... Uh, Fallen Enchantress getting dragged into all the hoopla uh, with, uh, you know, Brad Wardell's lawsuits and not being able to calm down. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that just totally sucks. Now, however, it came out great. I mean, the game's really good, but I I think that probably does hurt it in the end, uh, unfortunately for them. Um, You know, and I'm it's it's just it is what it is there. Uh, and do you have a best PR? Uh, Borderlands 2, memorializing Michael uh, Mamoral, the guy that, uh, you know, died. And in before. Borderlands, he runs around and gives you free guns. Yes, and that was uh, that was really cool. Uh, what was really cool, too, is, is like not is running into that guy and not knowing who he is, and then later on realizing that. Like, I loved the timing of that. I loved that they don't put a big neon sign over his head. Hey, yeah. here's a poor guy who, uh, who, who died. It was horrible, and we want to recognize him. They just put him in there, and later on, maybe you do or don't find out who he was, but it was just such a great little touch. Uh, right. Yeah, um, yeah it's, it's, a, it's a really nice tribute. Yeah. I never would have thought I liked a Gearbox game and Gearbox in general so much. Uh, those guys yeah, they, really came out well this year. Yeah, they. Uh, I mean, with the exception of Duke Nukem, uh, they've, mm, they've, they've got. Definitely, I don't remember that game. What's? Uh, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, yeah. What did they call that thing? Oh, it doesn't matter anyway. Uh, with the exception of whatever that was, uh, they've they have a pretty good track record. Right. But it's sort of like, yeah, I can't believe that this time last year they were the punchline. After the joke of Duke Nukem, like they were the, the punchline at the end of that whole stupid episode uh, was, and then Gearbox did this game and it was awful. Uh, yep. But now, yeah. Uh, what about business models, McMaster? All right. Well, business models. I mean, what are you going to do? I actually kind of, I just kind of agree with you on both. Uh, I mean, Guild Wars Two to me, easily the best business model. Mm-hmm. Uh, make a McMaster, game. McMaster, have you have you bought any gems? I with- did. With real world money, ah, what did you spend yep. your gems on? 
Uh, you know, I gave a portion of them to Sarah that you could transfer because you can turn them into gold. So I just turned them into gold and sent, yeah, whatever. But with mine, I bought uh, backpack, backpack spaces and bank spaces. So I found uh, they did that uh, weekend event um, where can't even remember what the event was, what it was called. Oh, Lost Shores. So yeah. they had this Lost Shores event where you uh, it took place over three days, and it ended with this huge, crazy battle that basically broke the game, and it was a miserable experience, this <laughs> awful four-hour slog through lag. But I stuck with it. I was playing with some other people, and I'm, you know, fine, let's kill the stupid boss. Let's see what happens. You kill the boss, you get a big old 20-space backpack. That's great. Yeah. But you also get some... Um, it's not quite legendary. I think they're exotics. I forget what the tiers are, the highest level. I think level. it is exotic. Uh, it is exotic. Okay, yeah, they're oranges, I think. I think. Okay. Yeah. So I got a few orange items that I couldn't use. Um, and I ended up selling those on the auction house and getting crazy amounts of gold. So I'm sitting on enough money to buy a new character slot, if I want, in Guild Wars. And I love the fact that I got that through playing the game. Sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. I guess for me, I was just kind of curious about the gems. Uh, it was like right when the game came out. Uh, and uh, I had a, uh, you know, I had a press copy. I always feel like, you know, what the hell? If I if I get it for free, might as well, you know, donate a bit to the cost. So, uh, yeah, I, uh, I bought some. And, uh, you know, it's a cool thing that you can actually turn that into gold or gold into those as well. It's just, yeah. uh, it's a really interesting system. And uh, it seems... Uh, a, to be about the right level of incentivization, or at least the closest we've seen. And what would be your worst-case business model for the year? Uh, once again, I agree with you on Skylanders. I really want to try it, but I can't. I cannot even imagine. <laughs> I mean, it is totally just a bare, like aggressive, <laughs> like marketing. I go into like a GameStop or something and see those things stacked up, oh. and it just turns me off. I'm just like, I want no part of that junk. I mean, I, I hear we we had a fellow named Rob on the podcast who posts his chaplain, and he he's a he he loves the game. He plays it with uh with uh, his uh, a boy that he uh, is raising, his son for all intents and purposes. It's a family thing for them, uh, and I've loved hearing him talk about it, and I've been curious to try it just from a fun action RPG light kind of angle, but I yeah. just have no desire to buy into that mound of plastic junk. Oh, I mean, oh, that... Yeah. Oh, God. Um, I went uh, I went to some... Uh, to my wife's relatives up here for Thanksgiving, and uh, their kids had a ton of the things, and I'm just sitting there looking at them, and they're just... Uh, just looking. It's just dollar signs, man. How much money did all that crap cost? You know, hundreds of dollars. And it's such a cool idea. I love it. You know, I love you have the chips that keep your, you know, stats and everything. And that's neat. But it's, wow. It's, uh, yeah. It's, it makes and, me wonder between that and the Guitar Hero games and what they tried to do with that Tony Hawk thing, how much money has Activision made from plastic? <laughs> you know? Good Lord. Uh, yeah, how much money has... Oh God, how much money has Rock Band taken from me in DLC, though? I mean, it's just, oh, oh. everything is that now. But okay. Skylanders is it's pretty much in the zone. Right. All right, McMaster, <laughs> let's go on to the names of games. If you all were right. to pick the coolest name of all of a game of all year, what would that be? I like Gotham City Imposters, which is such a huge disappointment to me that it turned. I like the name. It's such a, It's a good name. It gets across the point pretty well i don't even know what the point is they're so they're like fake jokers and fake batmans right right it's people uh you know like 
I guess you see them in the movies too. Uh, the second one. Uh, you the know. Yahoo's at the beginning of yeah, Dark Knights. Yeah. Yeah, it's that's that's all that game is. It's like a team-based first-person shooter, fake Joker's versus fake Batman's, but they're all either fat or goofy or whatever. And <laughs> it, I mean, it's it's a funny idea, and I like the name, the Gotham City right. Imposters. That's eh, it's catchy. It's what about catchy. okay? What about worst name of the year? Can you think? Ah, uh, there's worst? a tie. I have a tie for this one. Tie. Are they worse than? Uh, uh, do you know there's a game called Whack Fu? Oh. Okay, well, one of them is for sure. <laughs> no, I don't. I, I there's there's actually like an MM. I think it's an MMO or some fighting game or something called Whack Fu. Uh, that does sound good. So probably, you know what? That, that's a that's a name that is so awful it comes around the bend and is awesome. I think so. Yeah. Whack Fu, yeah, not a good example. So what what do you have for your two? What do you what are your tied right. worst names of the year? Well, I will actually give the edge to the second one, but the first one is Kingdom of Amalur: The Reckoning. Hmm. It's a terrible name because it's long and it's a bunch of nonsense. <laughs> so nobody could remember the name of that game, and it turned out nobody cared. Um, and then I think slightly worse is a By game. By the way, Pastor, let me let me cut you off. So, do you yeah. know why it's called that? Like, like obviously the place that it takes place in is called Amalur, and it's a kingdom, whatever. Do you know why it's called the Reckoning? Uh, I did not read the fiction, so no, I don't actually. It's, it's actually not even in the fiction. Uh, did, did you play any of it? Like, do you know that game at all? You yeah, I, play, I played a little bit. Okay. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I, I got a few levels, yeah. So they, if you remember, they have like a power meter that you fill up, and it puts you in kind of an overpowered, like, a combo kill thing where you just kill a bunch of dudes real quickly. Uh, it's it's like a power boost thing. It's like in a fighting game or something. Uh, your rage meter or what have you. That act of filling that up and using it, that's called reckoning. Oh, okay. So there you go. See, do, do you know? Do you now love the title because it makes sense? Yeah, it's great. I mean, <laughs> I think you could have gotten away with Kingdom of Amalur. <laughs> I th- or Amalur, <laughs> though I wouldn't have done that either. Uh, oh God, just so much to say yeah. that says so no- so little. I guess actually that might as well just be the epitaph for that game. I mean, it's like nobody cares about Ari Salvatore or whatever his name is, and Todd McFarlane really. <sighs> Poor Kurt Schilling. Professor, I don't know if you know this. He did the Spawn. Oh, I know. Okay. Trust me, trust me. Being a comic guy, oh, I know the spawn. What would your runner-up be for uh, worst game of the year? Worst I, game of the year. I, I think the actual worst name is a game I like, which is War Game. That is pretty bad. But say the full it's, name. Uh, War Game European Escalation. <laughs> I mean, that's even worse. It kind of is. <laughs> I was being kind. <laughs> it's like, or, so what is it? It's a war game. Oh. It's just oh god. I kind of feel like if there's one region of the world that escalation doesn't really sound that dramatic, like Europe, what are they going to do? Like if it had been called maybe Asian escalation or African escalation, even even Australian escalation has a certain scrappiness to it. Yeah. What's what's Greece going to do? Exactly. Gonna, there's going to be an EU meeting. They're going to uh, they're going to devalue the 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 sterling or something. Yeah, what European escalation? Yeah. All right, uh, McMaster, do you have any other awards to to hand out? Um, I could not do the. I, I couldn't think of anything for the fast one, but I did find a weird. I, I did think of a weird porno one for you though. 
So this is a game that you feel the title could be mistaken for a, a, some kind of weird porn. Yeah. All right, Sins what do you got? Solar Empire Rebellion. <laughs> Sins of a Solar Empire sounds like space porn. I'm so used to saying that that it doesn't wait. No, it doesn't. Like, my brain is conditioned to think of that. It already is space porn, first of all, because the, oh, ship, right. the ships are so hot. Um, <laughs> ah. Oh, yes, yeah, so delightful. So I think you're on to something there. Good point. Yeah. Uh, but, Master, let's, let's run down our top five games of the year. All right. I think we're just going to overlap all of them. I, although I bet I know what. Well, we'll see. Uh, all right. So, uh, McMaster, what would you pick as your number five game of 2012? It's kind of a tough one for me, uh, but I'm going to have to go with The Walking Dead. Uh, now that's a that's a graphic novel, I believe, or a TV show. You mean? <laughs> yeah, it, it's a it's a graphic adventure novel as well, uh, but it's uh, it's quite well done. Uh, those guys did a really good job. In fact, I hear they uh, did well at the Pretend Awards. Uh, good for them. Uh, unfortunately, it's a Spike TV thing. But if it makes you feel better, I, I agree. I think your game is really cool. So that's one of the like eight or so games this year that I haven't played yet that I would really like to look at. Uh, so oh, no. you're, I don't know how you're going to handle this. <laughs> it might be too much for me. It might be too little for you. That's what I'm afraid of. <laughs> well, my number five game of the year is actually, I think, I don't know Walking Dead the comic book, I don't know Walking Dead the video game, but I do know Walking Dead the, the TV show. Uh, my number five game is actually, I, I think, a much better expression of that zombie survival mythology than even the TV show, uh, and certainly a, better than, I think, any other zombie game. And it's a, it's a freaking little thing on the iPad, of all things. It's even on the iPhone. Uh, and it's a it's a strategy game called Rebuild. Um, That's a good one. And that, that would be one of my favorites of the year for how it understands that a zombie apocalypse is not about zombies. It's about the survivors. Um, so sure. I love that. Um, McMaster, what would be your number four game? My number four game of the year would have to go to... Persona 4 Golden on the PS Vita. It's a very cool uh, reissue of a PlayStation 2 game with really cool graphics. Uh, or a really cool graphic upgrade, and that screen really does make things look good. So, you know, there is that. Uh, but just the, the whole system itself, and uh, they added new content. Um, it's such a, a fascinating uh, social simulator slash murder simulator. Uh, and it's also a real test of commitment as far as getting through this first. You know, you've, before you can actually play it, you have to watch 18 hours of cutscenes. Am I? Well, am I actually distilled it pretty fast because, oh god, it was so awful. I lost like 11 hours or something of Persona 4 play uh, when I tried to back it up uh, once, and so I had to start over. And I actually got to the exact same point in like five and a half hours using the fast forward function. <laughs> Uh, I love, by the way, that you inadvertently called it Persona Foreplay. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, you know, I mean, uh, McMaster is Persona Four. So it was a PS2 game, or what? Where? What, yeah. This? Okay. Oh yeah, no. See, that's the weird thing about the PS3 uh, is that man, it really did not attract as many uh, of like the kind of games that I really enjoyed the PS2 for. I guess they were like, well, PS2 is still selling. <laughs> let's, 
Well, just put it out there. I mean, just like anything from, you know, NIS or Atlas, it's mm-hmm. it's almost always going to be like a generation back. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number four game for the year was Assassin's Creed 3, which was kind of a surprise to me because I had long since given up on those games after Revelation and even Brotherhood did some cool stuff. But uh, I could appreciate them, but they certainly didn't have, you know, I was losing interest. Um, so I had very little desire to play three and to fiddle with the goofy ship stuff that I mentioned, but I got so wrapped up in that game and I love how, uh, how much breadth it has and I love how they handle the frontier stuff. And I even have this weird thing where all that homestead stuff is, is pretty much optional. There's, there's all this optional content, whether it's like collecting huntables or making money to upgrade your ship. You can do most of the ship missions, I would think, without spending a bunch on upgrades. There's just so much optional stuff that I would normally regard as filler, but that I really enjoyed as a way to just kind of be in that world and run around and do stuff. And they have all of those... This has been a staple of the series. There will be, like, factions, and they'll give you a list of of quests, of things to do. And there's all kinds of stuff like that throughout Assassin's Creed 3. And I I just love, even though some of that is not tied very well into the economy, even though some of it feels just very much like filler instead of any meaningful gameplay progression, I just really liked that world and being in it, and ultimately was okay with the fact that some of these goals, some of these tasks... Uh, didn't really amount to much. They were just things to do while you were there. Uh, and I consider it the mark of a really good game and a really involving game world that I don't mind that. Uh, so sure. Assassin's Creed 3, that was my uh, number four game for this year. Uh, and certainly, good good golly, the multiplayer in that is so good. Uh, it is such a distillation of what makes that Assassin's Creed 3 multiplayer good. Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. McMaster, what is your number three pick for uh, Game of the Year? My number three pick for Game of the Year is Guild Wars 2. There are very few games I spent that much time with this year. (laughs) I I certainly leveled uh, one character to ADM Beyond and several others uh, into wherever, uh, and I, I still play around with it. On occasion, um, Guild Wars 2 is uh, is a well designed game, and uh, it's uh, I can't wait to see their first pay content. Uh, we have Winter's Day starting uh, this Friday, McMaster. Will you be there for Winter's Day? Hmm, I'll have to drop in for Winter's Day. All right, there there are presents for everyone. Oh well, I mean then of course. <laughs> Uh, my number three pick is Borderlands 2. Uh, as far as oh. shooters go this year, I really liked some of the shooters that came out. Um, Darkness 2 I was a huge fan of. Uh, I was surprised at how much I enjoyed Black Ops 2. But ultimately, uh, Borderlands 2 just kind of knocked all the other shooters out of the When I want to sit down and shoot guns at stuff, I just nothing meets that need better than Borderlands 2 for me this year. Um and as much as I had an issue with some of the interface stuff and with the loot chase not being very well developed, um, I just, as, as a, a vehicle to just shoot cool guns, uh, they did so well with that. And the writing, you know, as we mentioned before, uh, I did not expect and I didn't feel like I needed it. So it's just such a delight to discover such great writing, uh, such great characterization, effectively done you know effective funny comedy um it can be really hard to do in video games and they just nailed that in in borderlands 2 so uh that's my number three pick um mcmaster what would be your number two pick for game of the year 
Well, uh, my number two pick is actually Assassin's Creed 3. Uh, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed uh, uh, all the things you mentioned, but one thing I'll say about uh, the Assassin's Creed franchise that I really like is that uh, Ubisoft is good at setting a scene. Um, everything in their worlds seem mostly believable. I mean, of course, you know, dude climbing around on rooftops, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But uh, they just they they build good cities. They 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 have crowds that make sense. Uh, they they just everything about it. I I love navigating their worlds. I really like climbing and just uh, their movement system in general is just really fantastic. And uh, the combat is as well. So it's uh when Assa- when Assassin's Creed Three is at its best, it's it's really something to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, McMaster, I want you to play through the whole game using only your fists, no weapons, and don't climb on anything. Just walk around the streets and only use your fists. All right. That good God. Those, <laughs> they, they they could release that as like by the waterfront or something like that. The, the video game. <laughs> Storm around with your fist in a crowd. Uh, have you have you looked at any of the DLC for Assassin's Creed Three? Because they've been. I, I think there's only one out at this point, but they're releasing. Uh, single player stuff, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they're gonna. They, yeah, yeah. And the problem is, is like I love all the Assassin's Creed games, and I always want more of them. But I always like when I, I try to get back into them, I always get kind of. Uh, I never managed to really get back into it. However, I am curious about the one where George Washington is a dictator, or the king, or whatever, and you have to uh, take care of Washington. That sounds interesting. McMaster, would you buy DLC in Assassin's Creed Three that could let you be a, a dung collector? Well, I mean, it depends on his stats. <laughs> uh, my number two pick for the year. Uh, is that where we are? Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, is uh, a Wii game, for Pete's sake. I've got an iOS game in my top five, and now a Wii game. Uh, to no one's surprise, I presume. Man, I love Xenoblade Chronicles. Uh, as someone who normally cannot get into JRPGs, I feel this was an example of a JRPG that has learned enough from Western RPGs and from MMOs uh, to not keep me at arm's length. Um, I loved the character development system in that. I loved how it was based, almost all the progression was based on relationships. I love that as you're playing, you uncover a kind of a sidetrack of progression for this area called Colony 6, where you're building up a whole other city. Uh, I loved how the early areas are relevant long after you'd out-leveled them. Uh, I loved the, you know, McMaster, you ding the graphics engine, rightfully so, because at times... It, it's a pity that you have to play on the Wii, but I just loved the size of some of the levels, uh, and oh, yeah. I, I loved the ending. I was so expecting, you know, you're playing. This is a game that literally takes like 100 hours, and you get to the end of that, and you're like, how could there be any worthwhile payoff? And I know some people have been kind of critical of it, and I don't want to say too much about it, because I, I, I feel it was a good payoff. Um, I, I just kind of felt like, what? how are you going to... End because that's what happens. It, it ends the experience. You don't then go back in and run around in the world. When you get to the end of Xenoblade Chronicles, you were at the end of it. Um, and I kind of feel like if you're going to have to bring to a conclusion something like that and wrap up all of these little threads, I feel like they did as as well as could be expected. And it, it was satisfying for me. So one of my my favorite games of this year was Xenoblade Chronicles. There's only one that I liked better. Um, McMaster, what would be your pick for for the game of the year for 2012? It was kind of a tough pick, uh, but in the end, I ended up giving it to Borderlands 2 for me. Um, I spent a lot of time 
really enjoying the game. Uh, it offered a wide variety of things to do, uh, and uh, just ended up being a very satisfying experience in the end. Uh, and I, it's very much a action game uh, that lends itself well to co-op play. Uh, I mean, mostly you're going to want to play with your friends. I mean, you're absolutely right there. Uh, but that's just about any game, really. Uh, however, yeah, no, Borderlands 2 wins, uh, wins hands down for me, writing and uh, action-wise and just time spent. Uh, yeah. McMaster, when we play, uh, any guns that are, are white, you can have your pick of those. Okay. Like if awesome. the text if the texture of the gun is white, all those I'm going to let you have, and I'm going to take the ones that are like green and colors because those aren't you don't need to worry about those. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not that worried about them. <laughs> also, McMaster, I need you to be a gun zerker so that I don't have to carry around ammo. So just put okay. all your points into stuff that respawns my ammo. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, my number one pick, my favorite game of this year. Uh, and I've I've certainly had my share of dalliances with MMOs. Uh, I fell head over heels in love with Lord of the Rings Online for quite a while. Um, but I, I don't think any MMO has hooked me as well as Guild Wars 2 uh, has. And I feel that Guild Wars 2, a lot of people, I think some people who talk about or write about Guild Wars 2 get stuck on this idea that it didn't revolutionize the basics of an MMO. And in a certain way that is correct you can say guild wars 2 is just an mmo but i think it's more important to to look at what things about mmos it fixed or addressed or changed things like the business model things like the fact that uh if i play way more than mcmaster plays he and i can still play characters together can still our characters can still party together can go to different areas together we can still get meaningful rewards it's a game that's built not on separating people on on giving friends things to do easily with each other it 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 removes so many of those obstacles um i love how it keeps the world relevant i mentioned this in xenoblade chronicles uh you know you you get past an area you can still go back and collect things you can still go back and enjoy that content uh i love the variety of the classes there um I, I I love the visuals. It's it's an amazing engine. It's an it's amazing artwork. Um, so uh, that ended up being the thing that I probably played the most this year, and it's something that I'll play well into 2013. Uh, and it is for me the best example of a genre that's that's online RPGs, MMOs uh, that I've ever encountered. Uh, so that that would be my pick for for my favorite game this year. Uh, Whatever, come on. Like nobody <laughs> did that. Come it, on. It was only number three for you as, as well. I yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not a sellout. <laughs> yeah, no. And there was a lot of runners up for me, of course. I mean, I I've spent a lot of time with Black Ops uh, this year. I mean, and it hasn't been out that long, so there's no doubt. I mean, Max Payne three. Good God, I've played a lot of Max Payne three. Um, I mean. So some of the things that uh, I I missed this year uh, that I wished I'd gotten time with, uh, in particular, let's see, looking at the list here, I wish I'd played Spec Ops, the line. I've heard enough 
different things about that to make me want to play that. Uh, and I wish people would shut up already about Mark of the Ninja. That thing's apparently the second coming, McMaster. I don't know if you know this. Uh, no, everybody in the world is really excited about Mark of the Ninja. I've heard, I've heard that, yeah. Yeah, so I feel like I need to play that. Walking Dead, certainly I've heard enough different things about that. I, I want to see what they're doing there. Uh, I haven't gotten around to Natural Selection 2 yet. Yeah, I'd like to try that. Yeah. Uh, McMaster, I know, I feel like you played it for me, but I'm still curious about Tokyo Jungle. <laughs> awesome. Uh, uh, and I didn't get around to the last Hitman game. I have been a fan of those a lot, and I things I hear about that don't make me want to play that, but I feel like that was something I should have checked out. So, I, Yeah, I, I missed Hot Shots Golf World International, so... I don't know if you know this, McMaster, you can buy uh, clothes for your little anime character, and you can put, like, bows in your hair in that game. No way. You can you can get colored balls. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's too late. Wait a minute, McMaster, um, why don't you have that? Because I have that, and I, I don't, I think, I don't know if there's any asynchronous multiplayer or high scores, but if there is, uh, you can bet that I'll be beating oh, anything you ever do in that game oh in golf yeah yeah oh, no, no, not, not real golf hot shots golf you have to oh okay okay yeah. oh yeah yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah i don't know what i was thinking yeah um i know uh i really want to spend some time with inversion i'm just i'm just kidding sorry inversion uh <laughs> the uh i am kind of curious about the metal gear solid hd collection though because everybody keeps talking about that stupid third one what's i never really played it snake the- eater is that the one where you kidnap people with balloons? I, I guess that's it. That is kind of the weirdest concept to me. But is that no, yeah. that's Peace Walker, Snake Eater. I think you actually eat snakes. That sounds you? rad. I mean, wouldn't why wouldn't you want to do that? Yeah. Well, all right. Uh, and that's a PS3 thing. I mean, a Vita thing. Yes, they uh, like an HD collection, or hopefully you could probably just get that game. But I think they have a collection with like a bunch of them in it. That play on the Vita. Mm-hmm. Oh. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of tempting, because there's no way I'd want to sit down and play through a bunch of Metal Gear Solid any other way. Right. Uh, yeah, can't, I just can't do it. All right. Uh, all right, so there we go. That was 2012 uh, in review. McMaster, uh, overall good year, bad year, middling year? Uh, you know, overall pretty good year. Overall, I mean, it had some releases throughout the year that... You know, kind of kept us going. It was a little bit more spread out than I think we've seen some years in the past. And hopefully it'll get a little bit more spread out next year. All right. Uh, I, I, I never know how to gauge a year, especially after I've just come down talking about my top ten, in which case mm-hmm. it's the awesomest year ever. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, overall with some perspective, I... I I I sort of feel like the new system we got this year, the Wii U, is a real disappointment. And the new system that should have been exciting was pretty much swallowed by Sony. Um, But I think next year it's going to be a little crazy, isn't it? Yeah, I think we're going to see at least an Xbox. All right, so batten down the hatches. Get ready for that. Oh, yeah. I'm uh, I'm actually pretty psyched about that. I can't wait. Uh, All right, so, McMaster, now that we've talked about 2012, what are we going to do next week? Hell, I don't know. I guess about the future. Uh, and Games of the Week and News of the Week, I think. Oh, yeah, right, that too. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the future. So uh, join us for that. Uh, I am Tom Chick. I have been joined by Mr. Jason L. Rearmaster McMaster, and we will see everyone here next week. Adios. <laughs>